Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know what time it is. You know where you are. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast, guys. And I'm going to teach you today about the the subtle art of raising the rent. There's right ways to do it. There's not so right ways to do it. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, this is something we all have to do as landlords. I know that some of you listening, you're rolling your eyes going, oh man, I hate this process. I don't want to raise the rent. I love my tenants. I don't want to be a mean. I don't want to, I don't want them to yell at me. I don't want them to slam me on the uh, tenant groups on Facebook, whatever your reason may be. Well, unfortunately, you're not going to make it forever in the rental business if you don't get on board with having to do, to raise rents. That's just how it goes. Now, it's important that you realize, first of all, let's talk about a couple different ways how other people, our role models, can increase the cost of things. And, and we'll see how this works out. So when the government, for example, U.S. government or pretty much any government wants to steal from us, the first thing they have to do is they have to whisper sweet nothings in our ears. Okay, They got to make sure they do that so that we elect them. So they got to blow a little smoke up our skirt. And then we're going to elect them to the positions necessary to tax us to death. Okay. That's what's going on. That's what just happened. We just had an election and Biden said all the sweet things, build back better with a bill. Uh, and now we're going to be facing some massive, massive tax increases, which don't forget, uh, there's a plan, right? So let's talk about that. When Washington is getting, and guys, this is not a political rant. This is fact. So understand that. So if you're Democrat, liberal, Republican, just keep it together. You'll make it. This will be a relatively short episode. Just chill out. Hear me out. When Washington is getting ready to execute the, what I call the crime of taxation uh, in the big plan, what they'll do is they will create another unrelated crisis to distract us. Okay. And that's not conspiracy theory, guys. It's fact. Okay, it's fact. It's been admitted uh, many, many times over many, many years and many, many uh, administrations. I mean, as long as they've had presidents and Democrats and Republicans and elected officials, somebody's been blowing a little bit of smoke to wind up the masses so that in the meantime, while everybody's freaking out, beating each other up and tearing everybody's, uh, flipping everybody's dinner tables over at, in the restaurants that, um, or beating up the stewardess or attacking the pilots or whatever the hell you're up to, uh, that that they're up to some, something else is going on to keep us busy. Okay, it's to keep us busy. You see, politicians, elected officials, they're expert in their crafts. They're gifted at what they do. That's how they're able to get elected, right? They bullshitted us, and now they got elected. And guys, this is my opinion. Yet it's also more fact than anything. I wish that this wasn't my opinion. This really is fact that I just happened to agree with <laughs> in the first place, what that it, that it's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's true. Okay. So they create these distractions so that we don't feel initially, we don't notice whatever, whatever else they're doing. And a good example is taxation. When they want to raise taxes, uh, they will raise other kinds of cane, start a couple dumpsters on fire, raise holy hell, um, we're not paying attention, and then they're going to slip legislation through. They do this all the time. Every single bill that gets sent up for to become a law is packed with all kinds of, they call it pork, 
It's packed with all kinds of crap. So you got a bill on, I don't know, let's, let's, let's make up a bill. Uh, the government is going to decide to pass a law that I'm going to be the, the podcaster of the United States. That's going to be my new office. I'm going to be podcaster of the United States. So they're, they're going to pass a bill and everybody thinks that, that that's crazy because that guy's, you know, I can't stand listening to that guy, right? They're not you guys. There's somebody else with clearly doesn't have any, any source of understanding what talent is for God's sake. But the government, you know, Uncle Joe calls me and says, dude, you want to be like national podcaster? I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. So I would be the U S department of, of podcasting. And I'm going to get $40 gajillion uh, in my little fund to go out and, you know, piss away on Coke and strippers or whatever it may be. That's my gig. Well, the masses don't want to know that because if they know that, they'll freak the hell out in the streets, right? So we'll go create some poo-poo and some stuff going on elsewhere, okay? Here's an, here's an example. I'm going to give you some keywords that have to do, that are, that are distractions. This is what they are. They're distractions. And they were put out there, and this is my opinion, they were put out there by design. Actually, it's not my opinion. It's fact. I've read countless books. Uh, Ryan Holiday actually is an author that I, I read. I've read several of his books, and he lays it all out. He's actually one of the people that is guilty of creating the crap. And he admits it in his books, and he explains you exactly how he did it. It's fascinating. Uh, disgusting, but fascinating at the same time. So let's talk about some distractions in the last decade. Okay, I'm going to throw some keywords out there, and you tell me if these things are distractions or have ever been distractions. Trump, Biden, any gender-related pronoun, uh, AOC and the squad, COVID, uh, Biden attacking IRAs, Okay, gun control, abortion law, fiscal cliffs, government shutdown, Debt limit crisis. That's these are all the government shutdown and debt limit crisis are this week's drama. They've got us. They got all these people freaked out about. Oh my God, the government's going to shut down. And then what do they always do? What do they always do? Either they they swoop in with their capes on and pretend they're actually working, and I'm here to save the day. And they sign something, come up with some stopgap measure to push the the uh, can farther down the road to kick that can a little bit farther down the road. Because after all, I got to get to the Hamptons. I got stuff to do. Um, and then it comes to the debt limit crisis. The debt limit crisis has been a debt limit crisis forever. They keep changing the debt ceiling. One side says they're not going to do it. The other side freaks out. And in the last last four years, when Trump was president, it was flip-flopped. The Republicans were screwing with the debt ceiling, and the Democrats are like, no. So think about it, guys. Go back and look in, in recent history. This is they've, They changed sides. It's ridiculous. It's almost comical. I call it political theater. Okay. I could go on and on. Did you ever notice that breaking news really means, Hey, you No, you look here, look here over here. There's nothing to see over there. Look here, pay attention to what's going on here. You see, that's how they create drama so that you can be focused on what they want you to focus on so they can play their games and pass their, their rules based on their own agendas. And that applies to both sides. I hate to tell you, doesn't matter if Republican or, or Democrat. And, when they do this, guys, it does apply to you. It absolutely applies to you. So those of you who think, ah, it's no big deal. It doesn't apply to me. They're only taxing the rich, okay? They're only taxing the rich. Well, if you guys do any research at all in new tax legislation that's coming down the pike, they're not taxing. Well, they are, I suppose, taxing a couple of rich people, but they're really taxing the middle class, the poor and the middle class, because the rich make up a very small percentage of people that have IRAs, okay? Uh the rest of everybody, the employees have IRAs, okay? Employees, 
regular folks like you and me that are out there busting their butt, they have IRAs. We'll get onto that in another time. Okay. When employees, you're working for a job, you want to get a raise from your boss. A lot of people generally, they politely ask their boss for one. Hey man, can I get a raise? You know, it's, it's great. Uh, there's a large number of people that will probably start things on fire, right? Smash the windows of the workplace, riot, whatever they do, because they can get their minimum wage. They can raise hell. Um, Sometimes the really whack jobs, the real serious whack jobs, the ones that are totally out of control, they actually show their employer how they can or already have provided additional value to them and then therefore justify the request for the rage and the raise in their wages. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine if you showed your boss, you said to your boss, hey, look, you know, let's say you're a car salesman. Last month, um, I know you got your man's salary, but last month I sold five more cars than I ever have before and three more cars by than the average salesman. So I'd like to get an extra uh, raise. You know, if you've got a logical reason and you have an even remotely fair employer, chances are you could probably get a raise because lots of people do every day all across America and the world. Okay. Yeah. I got to ask for it though. You can't bitch. You can't work at Walmart and complain because the union hasn't gotten you more money yet. See, the union's already in your pocket. They're busy stealing from you. <laughs> They're not really overly concerned with making sure you get more money for any other reason besides the fact that they need to steal more money from you. And the only way they can do that is to get you more money so they can steal more. Okay. Keep that in mind because, you know, they charge, they take a percentage. A lot of cases, a lot of unions take percentages. Other ones charge flat fee, but there's quite a few that just take a flat fee off the top. Your IRA, which is another form of theft, your IRA. Most people say, I want to put per X percent in my uh, IRA because that's that's the option. They don't give you, a lot of times, some of the forms don't even give you the opportunity to put in a dollar amount. I want to give $10. They say percent. So you think, oh, 10%, that's not much, right? And then you get a raise and then you put more money in your IRA, which is cool on one side, right? It's, it's awesome. But the reality of it is that just means that Wall Street gets to, knows that this is happening See, because when you change that form, you got to ask yourself, whose website are they on? Theirs. So then they can adjust the computer, can just simply charge you an extra fee that you'll never be able to see when they do a trade that you didn't know about anyway. So bottom line is the government, the, the IRAs, they're going to steal your money. There's no getting around it unless, of course, you don't partake. Okay? So understand that. But I don't want to get into a big rant about the economy and the whole nine yards. I say that after a few minutes of doing exactly that. But <laughs> here we go. Um, lots of landlords, they don't even raise the rent at all. We've talked about that in the past. I've done episodes on it. They don't do anything to raise the rent. How many times guys are you out there looking, girls looking for properties? Have you asked, well, what are the rents? And then whoever's selling the property, the realtor, seller, wholesaler, they're like, oh, well, the seller hasn't raised the rents in a long time. The rents are under market. Let me ask you this. Have you ever found a property that has market rents on the day you bought it? No, no such animal exists. It, that's just doesn't exist. That, that's a like a unicorn painted hot pink it just doesn't exist. So they don't raise the rents and makes you kind of wonder. It's like, okay, well they're not doing really anything to help themselves, the landlords. So if they're not doing anything to help themselves, they're probably just being reactionary and waiting for things to break and then reluctantly grudgingly have to go fix it because they're not making enough money off their rental. Therefore, they're pinching pennies. And whose fault is that? Not the tenants. It's their fault because they've created this story in their head that says, if I raise the rent, Jimmy 
will move. Well, you may be right. Jimmy might move if you raise the rent just because you felt like raising the rent. So what happens is a lot of folks just wait for a vacancy to raise the rents. But then old grandpa, I'm scared of the world, non-confrontational landlord, hears that little voice in his head that says, oh, geez, if I put this on Facebook or Craigslist, people are going to object to the rent I want to charge. They're going to get mad that I'm charging more rent. I've heard told people, tell me this. I'm like, I see you changed tenants uh, last year. Why didn't you raise the rents then? Well, I thought it was, I, I just didn't want them to be mad at me. Okay. Okay. The people that have, that have this experience, and I know a lot of you have this. I've talked to you about it. I understand. I, I get it because it's an emotion. So here's what you do. It doesn't mean you can't own rental property. It just means you don't deserve to manage it because you're screwing yourself and eventually screwing the tenant at the same time. You see, you have to raise the rents in such a way that you have the, the cash flow to be able to pay to maintain the property because as you're, as a landlord, it's your job. Okay. It's your job to make sure that you do a good job of taking care of the property. And if you don't have any money in the coffers, that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Okay. Now I went to go look at a property the day cause Jill and I are, our lease is up. We're going to look for another property uh, to rent here in Key West, which is a challenge all in itself. I go look at a property the day and this place took shithole to a whole new level. This dude brags about how he's had 80 properties in the keys over the years. And he's taken down, I don't know, $2,500 a month for a, a property that I kid you not the living room, the ceiling was caved in on the living room. There was literally roof materials coming through the drywall. He says, look, it's a flat roof. So when it rains, it leaks. I'm going to have a guy throw some stuff on it up there. I, I thought this was like, I was on TV and like, you, you what, really? I want to just report that guy to the city. And I'm not usually the tattletale, but this guy, you got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous. But unfortunately, that's the case because there's a lot of slumlords out there. This dude being one of them, just because it's Key West doesn't mean there's not a slumlord. There are slumlords in Key West and every market. There are slumlords in Beverly Hills. Don't kid yourself to think that there's not. Okay. A lot of folks will buy a place. They'll see that there's a month to month lease. Okay. And then they'll raise the rents right away. So they buy a place and they're like, yeah. And they start frothing at the mouth. They're getting excited. You know, mouth is water and teeth are chomping at the bit. They're like, yeah, month to month leases. This is great. I can immediately raise the rent, which I get it because you raise the rent, you raise the value. Totally get it. But if you haven't added any, added any value to the equation, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is the fear that the other guy that we just talked about has will become legitimate. Your tenant will move and maybe that's by design. I'll admit I've done that in the past. I don't want to throw somebody out because, you know, times are tough, whatever. I don't want to put somebody on the street. And I may sound like a big meanie, but I'm not a big meanie. I'm not a complete jerk. I believe that I want to help people out if I can, but not to my own demise. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to step in the quicksand. That's for sure. Larry Harbaugh drilled that into my head. So with that said, you know, you got to think about what, what to do, right? You know, you're going to bring this property online. You're going to hopefully add value to it because that's your job. And then add value. So to that tenant that's there, if you want to get rid of them, fine. Tell them the rent's going up. You give them your 30 days or whatever your required notice is by your local municipality and you move on, right? That's what you do. You move on and you get a new tenant and that's cool. No harm, no foul. Hopefully then you'll go in and make the place better. You'll improve the value and you'll bring the, the rent up to market rent. I don't advocate renting under market. I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think you're helping anybody. You're really lying to them. Because then someday, I talked to a guy the other day, you know, you talk to people in Key West, everybody's on the street, walking around, talking, everybody's friendly. 
I was over walking around by Hog's Breath, and I was in the gift shop looking around and talking to the dude behind the counter. And he's paying seven hundred and fifty dollars a month rent. He's lived here for thirty years. His rent hasn't been raised in at least twenty. He said, which doesn't surprise me because he's got a one bedroom apartment, and a one bedroom apartment here uh, that's in any kind of decent condition should rent right now for about almost three thousand dollars a month for a one bedroom. Yeah, it's true. I'm getting a screaming deal. I'm paying twenty two hundred right now, but my lease is up, and I can't find anything even close to that. Uh, but I digress. So you, you, what do you do? How do you fix this? You're the guy that buys the building. You want to raise the rents. So maybe you raise the rents and give the people 30 days notice. Maybe you, you realize when you buy it, you come up with a plan and you suck it up and you say, okay, for 90 days, we will give these chance, these people adequate chance to get their stuff together and go because I'm going to go in and renovate and they're in the way. I can't renovate with them in the way. So you go talk to them and say, guys, I need to do renovations. We're going to do whatever. I'm, I'm not going to renew your lease. Good news is, is that I've got another apartment in the building that's already empty. We're going to be renovating. It's going to be really nice when we're done. You will have first right of refusal on that. If you want that renovated apartment with all the new stuff in it, new appliances, new countertops and floor coverings and paint, it's going to be great. Then you can get that and then the rent for that place would be blank. And then they can make a decision. Either I want to do that or that doesn't work for me and I'll go find a suitable place to live that works for them. And there's no harm, no foul on that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you can still be the capitalist pig that you want to be. And, and that's what I do, especially if I've got a multi-unit. I love a multifamily with one vacant unit. I love them that way. I love them that way because then I can make that one the model without messing with anybody, right? People freak out when you buy a property. The tenants get nervous. That's why sellers and realtors and wholesalers always lie and say, oh, this is my partner. We're here to clean the car. We're here to see how much it costs to clean the carpets. Man, these people are not stupid. Give them a little bit of credit. Well, some of them are stupid, but give them a little bit of credit, right? Give them a little bit of credit. So then what kind of value do you want to add, right? You got to be, if you go in and take up an apartment, for example, like let's say average rent in a lot of places would be, I don't know, those of you in the cities probably laugh at this, but if you're in the Midwest, you should be able to rent a, a one or let's say a, a one or two bedroom apartment for plus or minus $200 of $1,000, let's say, unless you're in a really nice area, but your average working class blue collar neighborhood, you should be able to get a one or two bedroom apartment in an apartment building for a grand 1100 plus or minus 200, right? Adjusting for market differences. So what is that? What amenities does that tenant need? So if you're going to need, so you got to, how do you find that out? You need to ask people, you need to interview the tenants. You need to understand who the property managers are that truly get and understand that class of tenant, whoever they are, ABCD, EFG, uh, whoever they are, make sure that your manager, whoever your management team is, gets it, right? Really knows what they want so that you don't make the mistake of over-improving, but also important that you don't under-improve because then all that fancy rent that you promised to your investors when you were doing your little webinar and telling your corny jokes, you'll never make it. Because you really don't know. You're out of touch with what the tenants want. This is what we see in politics, guys. Part of the reason I brought that in the beginning. The government tells us what we want to hear. We're going to tax the rich. In reality, they're lying to you. They're really going to tax the middle class and the poor and a couple of rich people while they're at it. Well, guess what? The rich people are smarter than the poor people and the middle class people like me. And they have ways around this. And frankly, they can afford it. So no big deal. But the, to the guy like me... I can't afford for my taxes to double. That will change my lifestyle. That will piss me off. You know, if I'm Donald Trump, I'm not going to have a, any blip in the radar. I'm not going to skip a beat if you double my taxes. I don't care if it's a billion dollars. Still not going to change the, change anything. 
you double my taxes, I'm not a happy camper at all, right? So all these regulations come in to screw with the middle class. So, so understand that for some tenants, this isn't really a big deal. And for a lot of tenants, it's not really a big deal. Maybe it will motivate them to go get a different place to live because maybe they want to be closer to their parents. Maybe their parents are getting older. Maybe their kids are growing and they want to, they would really like to have that extra bedroom. And something like this would give them the motivation to get off the couch and go look for a new place to live. Uh, maybe one that's got fresh paint and floor coverings. It's just a little less money than what you're charging. Or heck, maybe their situation has changed. They've made more money. Maybe they got some of that stimmy money, that PPP money or whatever, and they're just out there spending it like like they're in, in the club, right? Ordering Cristal and, and flipping out Benjamins, right? Left and right. Who knows? Maybe they want a pool because they got a little kid now. Or maybe a yard's important to them because they got a dog. Maybe they want covered parking because they bought a Jeep and don't have a top on it. Who, never, who knows? But when you understand what your tenant needs... Then when you do your renovations, you can appeal to the masses in that tenant class. I'm going to give you a quick story of how I'm doing that here in, in Key West, what my plan is, right? We're going to take properties that are rented right now by uh, the service workers of the industry, right? But they're in amazing neighborhoods, Old Town Key West, let's say. But they're rented by folks that are doing the bartending and, and cleaning and uh, all that stuff, right? The, the little boat captains and the tour boats and all that. Good people, salt of the earth people, right? They're a very important part of Key West, Things are changing rapidly, okay? No matter everywhere, inflation, everything's going up. So everybody in, in the town is raising rents, but we're the only ones that are adding extreme additional value. And the reason, what makes us different, is that I'm not trying to take more money out of the service worker's pocket. Instead, I'm trying to, I'm attracting a different audience to rent our properties. We want to rent, take a property, and that's let's say a, a 1800s or 1900s gorgeous antique property. We're going to refinish the floors. We're going to shine the brass railings. We're going to really make the porch pop and the landscaping pop. And we're going to have a landscaper that goes there every week and does the yard and real boutique type experience. And for that, we're going to have to charge a lot more money because after all, we're charging a completely different experience. I'm talking class A. And in Key West is the one city in the country I know that you can literally take what is currently a class C and turn it into a class A because you're already in a class A neighborhood. This whole town is riddled with class C properties in a class A neighborhood. So what we're going to be doing then is focusing our, our energy on attracting a different customer. That customer is somebody who works in, let's say downtown Atlanta. Uh, maybe they work on, on wall street. Maybe they're in New York city. Maybe they're in Boston in the financial district, whatever it may be. Maybe they're from California or San Diego. And to them, they're used to paying, 10 grand a month for a meager apartment, eight grand a month, whatever it may be. Do your own independent research, guys. Look at, go on Zillow and look at rents in New York City in, in Manhattan, and you'll see what I mean. Now, get it. I get it. Key West is not Manhattan. I, I totally get it. It's a completely different environment, but it attracts the high income earner. And that's my point. We're going to change the audience that we rent our properties to and rent them to a high income earner. Now, the other places, well, the government's doing some stuff towards affordable housing, and they're trying to make some changes to get every, the, everyone else, uh, the, the service workers and the, the middle class and places and, and whatnot. That happens. And what we're doing, maybe it's not that popular, right? Maybe it's not that popular at all. But to the people that we're serving, we're going to provide a first-rate product to them, really top shelf. And for those that back us, that want to invest with us, then they're going to reap the rewards of our efforts. They're going to get to take part in that. They're going to watch it happen. They're going to learn how we do it. And 
that's the best thing about this is that we get to to team up with them and do what they're going to do. Now, this year, guys, those of you that are landlords or plan to be, I can assure you that this year and definitely next year, your expenses as a landlord are going to go up. Okay, all this COVID stuff is going to run your expenses up. The global supply chain crisis is going to run things up. The nationwide labor shortage is going to run things up. If you're doing construction, a couple of weeks ago, lumber was at a record high and then it crashed and now it's creeping again, right back up again. Next thing you know, it'll be nails and electrical wire or something or insulation or roofing materials. Roofing materials have gone way up, way up. My roofer was telling me they've just gone through the ceiling uh, back in Tampa. I'm getting ready to do a roof on one of our properties. And he's like, yeah, man, my cost of materials has just gone nuts. And of course, he can't find labor. So he can only do so many jobs because he only has so many people, which means he's got to charge more for each job to be profitable. Okay. So understand that all of your expenses for as a landlord are going to rise exponentially. I personally am figuring that my expenses are going to go up 10% across the board. I, I planned for that, though. And I know some of you guys are going, that's crazy. Well, that's realistic. Now, lucky I'm conservative and I got great deals put together. So I have lots of, of fat and I can raise the rents on my properties because I know the right value to add to justify the increase. Okay. We're going to add some bonus things for our short-term rental clients. We're going to offer a concierge service and a couple other different things uh, to them to give more value. And in doing so, we're going to raise the rates uh, accordingly. So I need to plan for 10. I'm probably going to boost my short-term rental rates 15%. And it's funny, every time I raise the rates, nobody even seems to notice. They just keep paying. So, hey, why not? We are thinking about putting in a pool uh, at this one building. My insurance for this building, guys, is what brought some of this on. My insurance went up um, $5,000 a year out of the blue. And here's why. My new insurance agent who bought out my old insurance agent, uh, when I had a question about my policy and he dug into my policy, realized that all this time I've been underinsured. So I had to, when they looked at my policy, because of how I use the property, I use it as a short-term rental property um, and this property, all four apartments, it, it violates the terms of the, the wind policy. So if a hurricane came, blew the place down, I mean, it's built of brick or concrete, but still, even if it did, there would not be any coverage for me. So that's a problem. So I had to buy into new coverage, which cost me $8,000. I was paying 3000. Now I got to pay another five grand on top of that for a grand total of $8,000 for insurance for this property. Thank goodness this property brings in anywhere between twelve and $18,000 a month consistently. Uh, with short-term rentals, it's a freaking cash cow. So I really can't complain. I've been, I've just been making money hand over fist on that property, but it is what it is. This happens to be the same property I'm putting a roof on. So this sucker is getting a little expensive, but that said, it's been very cheap for a long time. So I've been lucky right now. It's catching up with me guys. It will catch up with you. Understand it will catch up with you. As I wrap up here, I want to get you under the mindset of one thing and one thing only that you take away. One big thing that you take away. Obviously, I hope you learn a lot from this episode, but understand this. Your job is not to pay the bills on your property, okay? Your job is to optimize the properties in such a way that the tenants see clear value in the rent that they pay and for what they get. And that will allow you to consistently raise your rents as you need to to cover your expenses. It will allow you to be profitable without having to apologize. 
Guys, you got to take go out there and make this work so that you can help these folks have a good experience as a tenant. That's our job. I'll catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.